Welcome to the Purpose Marriage Podcast. If you're in a marriage that is damaged or broken and think all hope is lost, we invite you to listen in to today's broadcast. We pray that through this ministry, you'll find biblical encouragement and instruction that will lead you and your spouse to a closer walk with the Lord and each other. God can and does heal marriages no matter how desperate or impossible the circumstances may appear to be. And now, here is today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Purposed Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Larson. With me, as always, is my wife, Amy. Amy, say hello. Hello. We are pleased to be bringing you now our 30th podcast episode it's only taken us, what, three, four years? <laughs> on, I don't know. We're averaging about one, one a month now. We are, we are honored and blessed to still be here with you. Uh, the Lord has been with us all this time, uh, and He has brought us to this point where we have uh, the resources to be recording and to be sharing them with you all. And we, we feel like it is our, our mission and purpose to be doing these episodes so as to be an, an encouragement, a source of comfort, and potentially a source of wisdom as we direct you to God's Word. This show is intended to uh, help those who are hurting, especially those who are going through separation and divorce and have been affected by the trauma these things bring. Well, as you know, if you've been following us for a while, we've been busy uh, building a new house over the course of the past year, year and a half. We are getting really, really close to finishing that up and and thank the Lord we are close. Uh, Amy, you want to say anything about that? Um, Other than you're glad that we're <laughs> yeah close. It has been a lot of work. Uh, I think I'm over at the house because I mean Tommy works. I, I work as well, but only part time, and I work very close to where we are building, and so I am out the house. Pretty much every day, I would say. Maybe there's one or two days that I'm not. But um, we just got all of the tile delivered. We got a hood vent delivered. We This week, we're having our closet systems delivered. Uh, and so we've got all of the, what I call the guts of the house done. We've got electrical and plumbing. We just recently had all of the insulation finished and now we are ready for sheetrock. So it will start looking like a completed house before too long. So it's very exciting. We hope to be finished by the end of August. Uh, We are also rejoicing today. Uh, It is June 25th, but yesterday... uh, we had a historic ruling from the Supreme Court. Uh, they overturned Roe versus Wade. And if you don't live in this country, you are unfamiliar with our Supreme Court and our laws here in the States. This is a very, very big deal. Uh, abortion uh, was made legal throughout this country uh, in 1973. And for nearly 50 years, Christians have been praying to have this horrible, wicked law overturned. We have seen over 60 million unborn babies who have uh, been butchered and murdered in the womb. This, deci- this well, decision... Well, and even after they've been born. Right. I don't, I don't know how, as a 
follower of Christ, you can argue at all uh, from a biblical point of view that this act, abortion, is something that honors the Lord. It is the taking of a life. If ever there was a face of evil in the world that looks people right in the eye, it is this issue. You know, we serve a gracious God, and He is faithful. He hears our prayers. And like I said, for nearly 50 years, people have been praying. And uh, I'd say probably about a decade ago, you know, if you asked someone who was following this issue, is there any way this could ever be overturned or we would see this thing reversed, uh, they would have said no. And, and here we are. Here we are. Uh, and that's a testimony to what God can do. And... Uh, let it be a reminder for those out there who are separated or divorced and your situation seems completely hopeless. God can indeed change things. You know, He did it for us. This situation with the abortion, uh, that ruling was reversed and we, we give Him the glory. And we are thankful that still to this day, He answers our prayers. Well, uh, today uh, we're titling the episode, Don't Blame God for Your Divorce. Throughout the course of counseling and ministering to individuals going through separation and or divorce, we, we occasionally encounter a sense of anger and or a spirit of blame directed at God for allowing the storm of divorce to ruin and adversely affect an individual's life. We want to evaluate these feelings and, and statements in the light of God's Word and perhaps bring a better and clearer understanding of why God allows trials in the first place. Our theme passage today is from Hebrews 6, 5 through 11, and we're going to go ahead and read that now. And Amy, I'm going to have you read. This is kind of a challenging passage, just, just the way it's worded at times. So if you get a little tongue twisted, I understand. <laughs> just go slow and do your best. Go ahead, Amy. All right. It's Hebrews 6, 5 through 11. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as his sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respect them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful, rather than pleasant, but it later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. All right, thanks. That's again Hebrews 6, 5 through 11. And there's a few takeaways from this passage here, and uh, we're going to share those now. And the first thing that I noticed was that we need to take God's discipline seriously and not desire for it to quickly pass. And of course, this is hard for us because discipline is what, Amy? It's it's kind of painful, isn't it? Right. I mean, the verse specifically says, at the time, discipline is painful. Um, I, and, unless you're someone who enjoys pain. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I it think, can be hard. I right. think also, though, in our day and age, especially here in the States, we have that kind of instant gratification and we pray for something and expect God to answer our way in our time. And that's not at all how God works. Now, let me just go ahead and say right now, that is not the case in all circumstances. And we are not saying, or are we emphasizing that if you're in any type of abusive situation or uh, marriage where there has been adultery, repeated, unrepentant adultery, that you are in any way to blame and the Lord is disciplining you at right. that point. Right. However, there is the case to be made that in those situations, there is potential for growth in your own life yes. where the Lord can refine you through the fire that you are going through. So we want to we make that clear at the outset. Uh, the other thing, well, there's several others, but uh, I'll mention this. We need to understand that it is because God loves us that we are being disciplined or we are uh, going through a, a trial or a difficult time. I think also during those trials, it's really important to understand that, you know, God walks through those with us and, and we're not facing those alone. And when you were talking about specifically growing during those trials, you know, None of us probably want to grow in, in ways that, you know, are hurtful. But during those trials and situations that are difficult, that is where we can lean into the Lord. And He wants us to know that He offers hope. He's there because He's a God of comfort. And so these are times where we need to rely more on the Lord than any other time in our lives um, not rely on our own understanding, but completely give it over to the Lord and allow Him to grow us and allow our dependence to be fully in Him. Is it possible to grow without being uncomfortable? I mean, take any aspect of life. Yeah, you used to be a personal trainer. Right. I, I, you know, I've been in school recently, uh, back to college a few years ago. Uh, it was not fun. <laughs> I mean, reading book after book, it's writing, it's 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 difficult. But at the end of the day, you have grown, you have matured, whether right. it's physically or mentally, right? The, uh, the suffering, quote, uh, produces results. Right. And that's, I mean, I think it's a, a form of spiritual discipline. Mm -hmm. uh, he's, he's training us and teaching us how to rely more on Him. Right. And that that speaks to our next point, which is it is for our own good that we are disciplined and we could become better as a result of it. And what seems painful now will eventually lead to peace and righteousness. Right. So uh, it, I, I sort of think of it as developing a callus maybe on your fingertips. On your hands. You know, when I was yeah. first learning how to play guitar, boy, it was painful. Uh, and eventually, as I grew layers and layers of skin and developed these calluses on my fingertips, it became easier and easier to play. Unfortunately, I didn't really progress too far. <laughs> That's <laughs> my, not true. My, I, I can strum a little bit, but I'm not, I'm not very technical. Right. But, I mean, the analogy is that um, the pain gave me the ability to endure more. 
and uh, that certainly is the case for us. Right. Uh, we would be we are able to endure now more so uh, things that probably a, a decade ago would have driven us off the deep end. Yeah, or would yeah. have completely crushed us. Yeah, yeah, I I see that, and I think also it's important, you know, that it says what seems painful now will eventually lead to peace and righteousness. And I know for those standards that maybe this is their second month, maybe this is their first week, you know, praying and asking God to return their spouse um, to their to their home. This can be very difficult when you're in the very beginning because you're in the the muck and the mire and you can't see your way out of it and you feel stuck like there will never be righteousness. There will never be peace. They're, again. they're drowning right now. Right. And, and they're so, suffering. Yeah. So just know and just be encouraged that this is a season of suffering. Your suffering will not last a lifetime. Um, and, you know, God will work in your life to help bring about even if, even if I would say that the marriage is not restored fully, he will bring about peace in your life mm-hmm. uh, and that the, the pain and suffering will not last forever. Right. And last thing about this passage is that discipline is a way of training that helps to mold and shape us into who we are to become. Right. right. So that's... That's sort of how we need to think of, of discipline. It is an exercise that will make us stronger and closer to the Lord in the end. And in, in very technical terms, this is progressive sanctification. You know, when you become a believer, um, from that point forward, you should be growing in, you know, righteousness. You should be growing to look and become more like Christ. Right. We shouldn't be stagnant. Right. You shouldn't baby Christians the rest of our lives. Correct. Which unfortunately we, you know, we see that that's probably the norm. Right. You know, someone makes a decision maybe at an early age and you don't see any growth. You know, they get older, they're maybe they'll attend church, uh, for whatever reason. But if you ask them anything really, in depth about scripture, they couldn't tell you. Right. They couldn't tell you. There's there's no growth. Right. So there there's that's const- a whole another episode there. <laughs> yeah, but there should be a constant and 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 that is what we see is that God is training us to become more like His image and less like our own. Mm. Well, let's just jump into the discussion we've already been discussing, but this is more into the practical side of things. Amy, why do we have a tendency, if we are believers, to blame God for our circumstances? We've, we've identified a, f- a few things here. What's, what's that first one? Well, I mean, I think it's an, a very easy thing to do. And in <laughs> fact, I would even say that that's the natural tendency. If you're not fighting against your flesh, you're looking for ways to blame others and not take on what your responsibilities are, but to blame that on, on someone else. Sure. Blaming others is the hallmark of the human condition, I would say. Uh, the second thing, why do we have a tendency to blame? 
Well, doing so protects us from accountability of our own actions. It's sort of a defense mechanism. If, right. if, we can, if we can place the focus on someone else, or in this case, possibly God, then we don't have to look inwardly and examine our own hearts. Right. 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 Yeah. The next one is we have an unbiblical view of God's discipline and the nature of suffering. Right. Right. So we might recognize that something is happening. Uh, God is there. He may be allowing it to happen. And we're blaming him because we're hurting. So our suffering, we're, we're, we're seeing that as a bad thing, that God is punishing us or he, he harbors ill will towards us and is intentionally uh, causing us to causing have us this pain. trauma right. and pain in our life. Right. But right. Th- that is unbiblical. We know through scripture that he disciplines us because he loves us and it is for our own good. And it is so that we will depend and lean on him more and that relationship will be cultivated and nurtured and we will grow closer to him so uh, right a lot of times that blame just comes as a result of not truly understanding the nature of discipline mm-hmm. uh, of course that last item there is that blame accusation and finger pointing it's it's all embedded in our sin nature and it comes naturally. We, we've said that. And if you go back to scripture, the book of Genesis, you can see where all this started with Adam and Eve. What did Eve do? She blamed <laughs> the servant. What did Adam do? Blamed he blamed Eve. Eve. And they both blamed God, right. basically. Yeah, I mean, he, he and, and Adam, I mean, he even said, you're the one that gave her. Well, he, actually, Adam <laughs> blamed God and her. Yeah, so he said, he blamed, you gave her to me, so it must be your fault, God. Right. Every, <laughs> every being that there was a potential to blame, he blamed. <laughs> he blamed, right. 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 No um, accountability. Right, yeah. right. So, so that's, that speaks to why we do these things. Right. Well... You know, some of us out there might be wondering, why would a loving God allow divorce to happen? So, I mean, this is the focus of our ministry, marriage, and, you know, dealing with with divorce. And for those of you who are dealing with this, or you're just walking into this situation, you're wondering, well, how can God allow this to happen? Well, first off, let's, let's be clear. God hates divorce. All right, Malachi 2.16 for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel, and him who covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of armies. So be careful about your spirit that you not deal treacherously. So, you know, we, we need to be careful in how we frame the idea of God allowing things to happen. God isn't the author of evil. Right. We are the author of evil, but he can work through evil. And we see examples of that all throughout Scripture. We've just been uh, finishing up in our uh, small group the uh, a study of the life of Joseph and all the suffering that he had to endure, all the evil that was heaped upon him. Right, and what you is know? that key passage? What the enemy meant for evil, God meant it for right. good. Right, and he will work through that evil. He, right. he did so in our case. We ended up getting divorced. He hated that. But you know what? He was glorified in the end, and he brought about his his will. 
And I wouldn't say it was his perfect will because if it was his perfect will, we never would have gotten, gotten divorced divorce. in the first place. Right. But we, you know, we are sinners. We made poor choices. We went down the wrong road, the wrong path, but God brought us back and he walked through all of us, all of it, all the situations. And now he's given this opportunity for us to be able to share and minister to others who are in the same types of situations. Um, I think that next point is really important too. Uh, Why would a loving God allow divorce to happen? Well, divorce exists, and we've kind of talked to this a little bit previously, but divorce exists because of sin. And in Matthew 19, 8, uh, it says, He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Right. So this was not God's plan. This is not what he wants, nor it is, is it what he intends this is not supposed to be the way of things for people to be getting divorced. Right. We mentioned how God hates it and that the original plan, one man, one woman for life. Right. right? But because of our, our, our sin, the pride that exists in our hearts and how they can become so hard, Moses allowed the Israelites to use a certificate of divorce. And that was mostly done for the woman so that she wouldn't be made to suffer for the rest of her life, that she would be, she would be taken care of. Right. Uh, so it was actually an act of compassion for her because of the hard heartedness of the men. Right. 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 Uh, why would a loving God allow divorce to happen? Here's one last thing. God allows freedom and choice, but it's funny that we would be mentioning choice in mm-hmm. the context of the <laughs> Uh, abortion issue. God allows freedom and choice, but consequences come as a result. Proverbs 1, 24 through 26, because I've called you and you refuse to listen, I've stretched out my hand and no one has heeded because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. All right. So here it is. God gives us the ability to choose which path that we're going to take. But it is clear that if we take these paths that do not honor Him, destruction will follow. And, I mean, if you're going through a divorce and maybe you've been in unfaithful and now you're, you're standing or you realized your, uh, your mistake and now you regret it, well, God has warned you. He has warned all of us of the consequences of sin and that it is up to us to make these choices as to whether we're going to follow Christ or we're going to follow ourselves. This passage speaks to that. Anything you want to add here, Amy? Yeah, I I think in every situation is different, but specifically in our situation, and I mean, I know that you would say this for yourself too, um, but I, I think it's really important to see what came before the divorce And as Tommy has shared numerous times, he was not faithfully following God's will as a husband leading the family. And there were consequences of those actions. Um, Am I saying it was okay for us to divorce because he wasn't 
you know, leading properly. No, that's not what I'm saying. Um, but you know, we, we were at the point of a breaking point because from the beginning, he wasn't leading our family the way that he should have been. And for 10 years, he, you know, wasn't following what God's design was. So I think it's really important, no matter where we are, it's so key to go back and look at scripture and see how did God design this? That is what we want to work towards, not how can we make this better or how can we prove ourselves? Look at what was God's design from the beginning in your life, in your spouse's life, in your family life, um, and try to model that. In biblical counseling, you'll oftentimes speak of uh, putting off and putting on. Yes. So the next question, what should we be putting on instead of the spirit of blame? What's that first one there? I mean, you should be putting on humility. First Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Mm. I mean, I can speak to that, <laughs> that humility aspect. And it was because I was so full of pride and I had to have that knocked down and I had to be made humble. But it was through that knocking down and that... A humbleness that God allowed me to draw truly close to Him. He's close to the humble and to the poor in spirit. And, uh, you know, that, that, was, that was one of the things that helped me keep the right spirit and the right perspective as it related right. to how I should view you. Right. She's a sinner just like me. Um, she's where I was at, you know, for 10 years. Right. And I think also, you know, this is one aspect of Tommy's life that I have not seen peak up. You know, pride was a really big issue. And I think Tommy's constantly reminded of how humbling his experience was and how God really did have to bring him to his knees. And I, I would say, you know, that's an issue that you know, do, do I see that actively in his life and very present to where, you know, there's that tension between us because of pridefulness or, um, the way that he, you know, dictates something. I, I don't see that at all. I think that that, you know, there are, there are lots of ways that we have both grown. And for the, for that, that for him, is one that I've seen, you know, tremendous, um, change. I mean, just to where it, it, it doesn't seem to exist. Um, so when we talk about putting off and putting on, um, this isn't a put off and, and put on for a short period of time. This is adopting what God calls you to be fruits of the spirit. You show those fruits of the spirit. And that's what I've seen. In his life. What's the next one there? Thanksgiving. Um, and Thanksgiving is from First Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So to the person who is asking right now or saying, so 
Tommy and Amy, you all are telling me that I should be thankful for the divorce and the pain and suffering I'm going through. Here's what we're saying. We are to, we are to be thankful for God and the fact that He is with us in all of our circumstances at all times. He is watching over us. He is caring for us. He's merciful. He is merciful. And He's not giving us what we truly deserve. Right. Right. Which is death. He is, he is full of grace. And if we have put our faith and trust in Him, He promises us a home in eternity with Him. If you can't be thankful and grateful for that, I don't know what you can be grateful for. Right. All right. So we need to keep that perspective and be thankful also, based on what we said earlier about the fact that God allows these trials into our lives and this suffering to grow us and to mature us and to draw us closer to Him. We should be grateful for us because grateful to Him for that because that's how we know that He loves us. He chastens those He loves. That's straight from Scripture. We discipline our children because we love them. Nobody likes experiencing pain, but we know based on the truth of the Word of God that pain produces change and it produces character, and that's what honors the Lord. Lastly, we should be putting on a desire to learn and grow in Christ. Matthew eleven twenty nine through 10, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm-hmm. Any comments there, Amy? I mean, I, I think that that speaks to where we should be going instead of blaming God. You know, we should be turning to him and, and telling him our troubles and our heartaches and ask him to surround us with people that can encourage us and, you know, prayer warriors that can pray on our behalf and on behalf of our prodigal. Um, this is how we grow closer to the Lord. This is his desire is for us to take up on all of our burdens so that we don't have to carry them ourselves. Mm-hmm. He says, learn from me. For he is gentle, humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. What is it in us that hurts so much when we're going through separation and divorce? It's our hearts. Mm-hmm. It's our inmost beings. That is what I, I felt I needed the most during those painful times was my heart. It just hurt all the time. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle, humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Basically just giving that burden over to the Lord and knew that He was going to bear that for me. It was so comforting, and uh, it helped me through those difficult times. Yeah, and I think also the more you practice that, you know, the more that you lay at His feet, the easier it becomes to do that in small things not just the big things in life. And you, if you're not bearing that burden and carrying on all that pain, your mind is going to be free to learn more about the goodness of God and what mm-hmm. His nature is all about. It says it right there. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So it's like, let me take this burden from you. Now draw closer to me. Right. Let me teach you these things. Right. Well, reflecting back on our story, 
What role did blame play in our individual circumstances? I'm going to let you think about how it affected you, okay, Amy, and I'll go ahead and address uh, my situation. Blame, the role it played in my life, is that it led to a hardness of heart before the divorce. I was essentially blaming God for not giving me what I deserved. Of course, my understanding of what I deserved was uh, so completely backwards uh, because I didn't have, it was deluded, delusional, so completely messed up. And so I blamed Amy a lot for, uh, you know, things that she had no control over. Uh, My perceptions were, like I said, it was all wrong. And so uh, all these things combined uh, helped to develop this, this callousness and hardness in my heart, which made me just blind to the way I was uh, speaking and, and treating her, uh, and, and to my children as well. Yeah. You, go and, ahead. And I really, I think that what you said there is so key, because a lot of times in the situations people are in, their circumstances may not change, but the way that they view it, and if they view it through the lens of Scripture, that is what will change their perspective. And I think that that's how God grew you, um, and not just you, but definitely me. You know, I saw submission to my husband as you know, this, this bad thing. Um, but oftentimes because it was very much a a lording over type, um, you know, he's talked about his upbringing in the past. And I think a lot of that kind of, it was a very heavy handed authoritative type of approach to roles. Um, And so I, I don't think either one of us had a biblical view or a, accurate biblical perception of what our roles in the marriage should have been in the first place. And so then when our needs were not met in each other, we automatically blamed one another. And it's not that, again, it's not that our circumstances will always change. It's how you view it in light Mm. of scripture. Blame it, it, um, it sort of changed though, for me as the, as the Lord was uh, revealing things about himself and transforming my heart. So I went from uh, blaming Amy, blaming God, blaming others, to recognizing who I needed to be blaming was myself, the sin, the flesh that was inside me, that was uh, bringing about all this destruction. I needed to repent of those things so that there could be healing. And that was the right perspective. Basically, I was, I was laying blame where it needed to be laid. Right. Uh, and taking responsibility for that. I think one of the, the counselors I went to at the time, you went to him one time, <laughs> one time you went there and, uh, he, he was actually talking about me to you in reference to how I was changing and how I viewed certain sins I believe he said, I think Tommy hates that right now. Right. It's, it's the complete opposite. Of and it, yeah, and it, and it, right. And mm-hmm. it was because God had changed that. He, he realigned where I laid blame. Right. 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 And so, uh, yeah, that, that's sort of how 
blame played a role in my life. It is, uh, uh, it was wielded two different ways. The latter was the correct way. Yeah. So, um, in my life, how did blame play in our circumstances? Um, I mean, blame for me, I put all the blame, you know, on Tommy and was most of that justified. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he takes responsibility and he recognizes that where he was, you know, failing as a leader of our home. I was, I was certainly guilty of what I should have been guilty of. Right. Yeah, exactly. But I, the, the problem with blame in my life is that again, I I think mine was probably more of the um, saving, uh, what not saving self, but saving the hurt and pain. Um, we talked about it earlier. I'm trying to find uh, where where we said uh, protecting protect, yourself. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Where it was, I was really just protecting myself, and it's like, well, if I don't have to you know, feel this anymore. If I don't have to be a part of this, if I don't have to work anymore, if I don't have to pray for my marriage anymore, if I can just be out of it, then it'll be fixed. And, you know, game over, it's done. Um, that is not how. Yeah. So just take yourself out of the situation, situation. Mm -hmm. but you're still you, even if you're in another environment. Exactly. And I'm, I'm still, I'm still me and I'm still responsible for for things that I did and the way that I viewed things and the way that I did not view my role as a wife properly through the lens of scripture. So even if I were in another relationship with someone else, again, nothing has changed. I've just moved from one relationship, you know, to another. And, um, I mean, and, and that led to the pursuit of divorce. Well, this is all his fault and he'll never change. And God, you know, can change anyone, but he'll never change Tommy. And I've prayed for 10 years and he hasn't answered my prayers. So I'm going to do it on my own terms now. I can't help interrupt you at this point. What you said, he can't change. And you, you, you said that with the implication that that thinking was wrong, uh, it's act, it was actually right, though, and the reason it was right was because, yeah, I couldn't change. I couldn't change. God had, had to, change to change me, mm-hmm. right? So I think instead of that statement, well, he can't change, there could have also been the idea that, but God can change him. Exactly. Right, but that, right. that wasn't what was considered at that point anyway. Right. I mean, I, you know, again, had, had prayed and read a light on the Lord to sustain me for 10 years. And I was just done. I was done praying. I was done reading my Bible. I was done going to my husband and telling him how he had hurt me just to continue having him hurt me. And, and I don't mean physically. Um, and so, but part of that is I did, I shut down. I, I completely quit communicating with him. I, didn't allow God to take my burdens. I didn't share them with God anymore. I took them upon myself. And what happened is I started to have resentment 
and bitterness and I was angry and all of that led to a sinful path, which was divorce. And, you know, again, we've talked about, we would, we wouldn't go back and, and change our circumstances because we learned so much through them, but could we have managed to work out, uh, our marital problems and allowed God to work, um, and, and allowed to, or, uh, worked alongside the counselors when they called and said, okay, Amy, it's time for you and Tommy to come in together and work through this in a biblical way. I said no to that. So was that sinful? Absolutely. Should it have ended then? Um, the, the pursuit of divorce, I mean, should it have ended then? And I, I should have pursued, you know, God and what the Bible said. Absolutely. Could we have prevented a whole lot of heartache and money and, <laughs> you know, we, we could use that. We could have used that money yeah. now. Yeah, we could definitely yeah. have used that now. But I mean, there's so much destruction that we saw and we had to live through that was self-inflicted that could, that, that was brought on because of my actions and because I, I did not continue to wait on the Lord. And, and the minute that the Lord started working, you know, I, I just hightailed it and ran in the opposite direction. Um, and so for me, you know, blame led to the pursuit of divorce and I was going to get my divorce, you know, no matter what. I mean, that's what I wanted. I had set you my mind to You wanted what you wanted. Yeah. And, and I, I was all in, you know, like I headed in that direction with full force, not at all, you know, looking to the Lord to help change my heart. And that's where I really failed uh, because I I gave all the blame and put all the, the blame in Tommy's corner and didn't take any upon myself. But that eventually changed, didn't it? Exactly. And, um... It did. The the blame turned inward and it led to repentance and healing. And I can honestly say, uh, and I mean, I think I've shared this a lot recently in our previous episodes, but what really helped me to turn towards repentance and healing was seeing the dramatic change in my husband. And I think that this is really important too. Um, I think, you know, when, when you're looking for your prodigal, like, well, if I could just, you know, and if I could just give this verse to my prodigal and they'll read it, if I can just give them this scripture and they'll read it, this will change their, their lives. Uh, you know, while I'm not saying that God can't use his word because he does, it's, it's active and living, And I agree with that, but oftentimes our prodigal is not going to sit down and read their Bible. They're running from the Lord, but you know what they can read? They can read you. Your actions can make a difference in their lives. And that is exactly what I saw in Tommy's life. I saw change. I saw the love of Christ. I saw a willingness for him to just say, I 
accept my, my punishment or I accept my circumstances, I helped get us to the situation and I fully accept the consequences. But I also pray that God will mend our relationship. Seeing that he said that, but also that he lived it out and that he meant it, that is what changed my life. And that's what made me want to draw closer to the Lord. Well, you, you were exposed to truth simply through obedience mm-hmm. to the Lord. Yes. And so when you say you were seeing these things in me, no, you were seeing God's hand at work. Right. I'm, and that's I, what I'm, I, not, I'm not saying you were incorrect in what you said there. It was right. just, I'm sort of reframing it. So yes. as to make it, uh, I, I want people to understand in no way, shape or form, uh, am, am I or is Amy saying, oh, Tommy brought me to this point. Right. And I'm no, not I saying didn't. he was, I was my savior. I, I, was, I saw Christ in him. I was humbled and I was made new again. And the Lord was producing fruit in my life. And thankfully, Amy's eyes were starting to be opened and she was seeing these things only because of the transformative power of Christ right. being and demonstrated. I, I saw the truth of God being lived out in your life. And that was different and it was attractive. And that's something that I wanted for my life. And at that point, you know, I realized, wow, you know, God can change him. God did change him. God is continuing to change him. And I need that too. And maybe, just maybe, this isn't all his fault. You know, it it really helped me to see that there were things in my life that I drastically had to change and that I had to get in alignment with Scripture and it, again, it just, it helped me to look inward and repent from everything um, that I had done to cause the divorce, uh, for everything that I had just laid on Tommy as blame and blame shifted. I had to t- take responsibility. And once I started doing that, there was so much healing Um and I mean, it honestly, like, I'm trying to fight back tears because it, it's such an emotional transformation. And it was for both of us. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing when you allow God to work in your life. Well, it's way. amazing when he transforms our lives and our hearts are... Uh, you know, altered and we, we don't possess a heart of stone, but he gives us that heart of flesh and we are open to his leading and his guiding. It's amazing how, uh, quickly, uh, our focus of blame shifts, right? You know, we, we start, stop worrying about everybody else's problems Mm -hmm. and we start looking at ourselves right? and asking the Lord God, what, what are you trying to show me? What is in me? Lord, reveal to the reveal to me the things inside me that displease and do not honor you so that I may repent of them and be more like you. And 
you know, that's what happens. We, we carry around all this blame and these ill feelings towards others. and Or towards God. Or towards God, right, which is the focus of this conversation. But, you know, really when our hearts are where they're supposed to be, uh, that blame is not going to be directed on anyone other than our, ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it is correct to say that God is is not to be blamed for divorce or any other suffering we experience in life. The trials and hardships we endure can be the consequences of sin, but they can also occur so that Christ can be glorified. I said earlier we would we would bring this up. And this is what I'm uh, highlighting right now. And I'm reminded of the story of the blind man in John 9, 1 through 3. This is from Scripture. As he, this is referring to Jesus, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him. That's powerful. I can tell you that God was glorified after we were restored, Mm -hmm. and he can be glorified through you right now. He did not bring about the suffering that you're experiencing, but he may be allowing that so that you could be made new, and he can be glorified Right. All right, so it's not necessarily because of sin. I don't want people to always think, as his own disciples did, that, well, he's suffering. You know, who sin? You know, right, right. What is the reason? Well, there doesn't have to be a reason that is rooted in sin. It could merely right. just be for the fact that God is going to be glorified mm-hmm. and he's going to use whatever means he wants to use to bring about that glorification. Right. So as believers, we need to be asking God what it is He wants us to learn and in what ways can our sinful hearts and minds be purified through the suffering we are enduring. And we we emphasize that a lot. God, be teaching me now. What can I learn? What are you trying to teach me through this situation? And also not to blame God for what is happening, but to take comfort in knowing that as one of his children, you'll be cared for and never forsaken. And he can use all things to bring about his will. And it is in our weakness that he is glorified. Mm. Well, now is the time in our show when we share prayer requests sent to us from our listening audience. Our hope in sharing these during our show is that many of you will commit to pray for these individuals. The Lord wants to hear our prayers And we know that prayer works. So let's all do our part in lifting up these requests to the Lord. To submit your request, contact us at prayer at purposedmarriage.org. And be sure to put in the subject line, On Air Prayer. Or you can go to the On Air Prayer page on our website, purposedmarriage.org, and fill out the form there. Let me go ahead and start with our prayer requests for this episode. This comes from Jonathan D. Uh, Jonathan's wife asked for divorce seven months ago. She's been in an adulterous relationship and is now living with the other man. Jonathan says his wife is a Christian but refuses to pray about what is happening. 
Jonathan also shared that he feels led by the Holy Spirit to be patient and that restoration will occur and that based on Isaiah 37, 24, she will come back to the marriage by the way she left. Again, this is from Jonathan D. Amy, read the next one. The next one comes from Josh. He says, please pray for my wife, Shelby, to draw close to Jesus again. She filed for divorce and is chasing the world. Mm, Thank you, Josh. Next one from Tim H. Please pray for my wife, Rachel, and I. We have three children, Annie, Valerie, and Hayden. We've been separated for seven months. There has been much expression from my wife that she doesn't want a divorce. However, through this process, she has had much counsel from friends and family to support her proceeding to divorce. Praying God keeps his family from Satan and restores our hearts for his purposes. Thank you, Tim. The next one comes from Ron L. He says, My wife Heather and I have been separated for over two years. She is currently dating an ex-boyfriend and in a physical relationship with him. Ron is trying to stand, show love, and kindness. His wife is sending mixed messages by showing occasional kindness. I pray that the ungodly ties will be severed. Mm, Thank you, Ron. Andres C. has the next request uh, that he prays that God would bring Geraldine, Camilla, and myself to him so that we become a holy family for his glory. Pray God destroys the relationship between his wife and her adulterous partner and that he returns this man back to his own marriage and family. Mm. The next one comes from Kip L. He says, Please pray for the restoration and reconciliation of my marriage and my family. His wife left four months ago after a really bad fight and filed for divorce. His heart is shattered. At the time, his wife was a practicing Christian and he was not. She has gone four months now with no contact. And um, he says, I have since started seeing a Christian counselor, accepted Jesus as my Savior, was baptized after Easter, and uh, he does everything that he can to read, learn, and become the man that he was designed to be. Please pray for me. I love my wife, I'm second only to God, and I miss my best friend and my soulmate. Well, mm. I mean, can we just praise the Lord for his salvation? Mm-hmm. I mean, that mm-hmm. is wonderful news, mm-hmm. and it's exciting to see that he is now um, living for the Lord. Yeah, thank you, Kip. We'll keep you in prayer in your family. Uh, this next one is from James. Uh, James has been standing for six years. His former wife lives with her boyfriend right across the street from where he works. She has completely walked away from the Lord and really has no family members who are believers that can help steer her towards God. Uh, He believes in the promises of God and His Word and is convinced that God is moving even though he can't see it. He is asking for prayer for his former spouse that God would continue to move in her heart 
and for a divine appointment with someone who can help her move in the right place with him. He also says he and his wife work for the same company and is also praying that any interactions with her would be Christ-like and loving. Hmm, That's a good prayer. Yeah, thank you, James. The next comes from David. He is writing from New Zealand. He and his wife have been separated for eight months. He's asking for restoration of their 28-year marriage. He desires to have a better and stronger union. And he has given the matter completely over to God and recognizes that he can't do any of this on his own. He's praying for wisdom, uh, words of wisdom, sight to see God's blessings, ears to hear God's guidance, and strength to soften hearts and signs to lead and show that the Lord is in control and will restore. Thank you, David. Next one is from Nathan C. Uh, Nathan has struggled with porn and inappropriate online relationships during his marriage and never fully repented and turned away. As a result, his wife asked for a separation. This prompted a change in Nathan's life, and he has since been in the midst of recovery for 45 days. He is praying that he continues to see Christ and that his wife calls off the divorce proceedings. He wants an opportunity and desires this opportunity to demonstrate his changed heart as evidence of God's transforming power. Hmm, what a great one. Hmm. I, I'm also reminded of you know, Romans in Romans 6 where it talks about that we are no longer enslaved to sin. And so I'm, I'm very happy to hear that he is, you know, He's in recovery for 45 Deliverance days. and transformation. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's wonderful. Okay. Okay, the next one comes from Jeremy H. He says, he and his wife uh, separated, since, they've been separated since April 26th of this year. He initially asked God to help him move on from the marriage and has since been convinced by the Holy Spirit to stand. Convicted. Convicted. Oh, by the sorry. Holy. Yeah. Yeah. Convicted. All right. <laughs> I said convinced. Yeah. Um, convicted by the Holy Spirit to stand and remain faithful to the marriage covenant. He had dealt with a debilitating illness and financial hardships. He's asking for prayers for the issues and for strength in his marriage stand. He also shares these verses to be an encouragement. Isaiah 43. 18 through 19, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not, uh, uh, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Mm, That's a great verse. And thank you for sharing that, uh, Jeremy, one that instills hope for sure. Uh, This next one here is from Michael. It's our last one. Uh, Michael has been married for four years. His wife's name is Maria. Uh, They have a five-year-old daughter named Martina. He's been divorced for one year, but separated for two years prior. Uh, He is trying to stand for his marriage, but lately is losing strength. He is only getting eight hours a week with his daughter. His wife talks badly against him in front of their daughter and is intentionally and deliberately making things difficult. She is also living with her parents who have encouraged the divorce. Michael is hurting deeply now. He and his family need our prayers. Thank you for sharing that, Michael. And those of you out there listening, 
be sure to lift all of these up before the Lord. And let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you now thanking for your grace, your comfort, your mercy, and your kindness. Thank you for always being there to hear us, and thank you for never leaving or forsaking us. Father, we have shared several prayer requests today. We know that you have an intimate knowledge of each of these specific situations. We pray that you work in the hearts of those rebelling against you, return them to the covenant marriages that they need to be in. Father, we ask that you strengthen the standers who have remained faithful, and may they not be overcome by sadness or despair. Encourage them, Father, and help them in their weakness. We've heard today, let us not blame you for our circumstances. Give us grateful hearts that we may take joy in all of our circumstances. Gear our hearts towards humility and obedience, and help us to never be resentful of what you are allowing in our lives. You are the potter, Lord, and we are the clay. May we always remember this. For all those listening to this broadcast, we ask a special blessing and favor upon them. Fill them with your joy, hope, and encouragement. And may we all remain faithful to you, Father, and endure all we are meant to endure. Father, we love you and we bless your name today. We humbly ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus, the name above all names. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Purposed Marriage Podcast. We hope and pray it strengthens and further equips you to remain committed to your marriage no matter the condition or circumstances. For more information and links to resources from our ministry, be sure to follow us on social media and through our official blog at purposedmarriage.org. If you have questions about standing for your marriage, and desire to learn more about how to live biblically during times of trial and heartache, please reach out to us via email. The address is contact at purposedmarriage.org. Until our next broadcast, may God continue to strengthen and encourage as you pursue a Christ-honoring and purposed marriage.